Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and resiliency expert. And my definite purpose in life is to encourage people to live positively with and through the many and varied challenges of life. You can find out more about me in this interview at the uh, radio website, which is journeytosuccessradio.com. My co-host today is the amazing Jim Shorkey. Uh, Jim, introduce yourself, please. Uh, yeah, my name is Jim Shorkey, and uh, in, my, in a former life, I'm a car dealer in western Pennsylvania. We have a uh, seven car dealership group, seven separate rooftops, and uh, uh, the information that uh, Mr. Hopkins and Mr. Cunningham are going to share with, uh, with us today is the same information that I use to create incredible success in my life, and you know, we were, uh, when I first started, we were one dealership, 40 employees, and uh, not in very good financial condition, and today it's, uh, it's uh, seven dealerships and 400 employees, and we sell about uh, 8,000 new used cars per year, and it's a pretty interesting story, but mainly the information that's on the uh, discussion table today is, is what caused that to happen, so I'm very excited to be here with uh, Mr. Hopkins and Mr. Cunningham, for sure. Amen. And you can find about you at resultsfromthinking.com. Now, our guest today, I'm very excited. Uh, I have known him since the cassette days. So that means a number of our guests are going to have to look up what a cassette is. Uh, but that's uh, over 25 some odd years ago. Uh, our speaker or our uh, guest today is earned the reputation of being America's number one how-to sales trainer. Over 5 million salespeople, entrepreneurs, and sales managers on five continents have benefited from his live training events. He perfected his selling skills during his eight-year real estate career in which he received numerous awards. And in his last year selling real estate, he sold 365 homes, an average, obviously, of one per day. Look at me, the mathematician. Something that was unheard of at the time and has rarely been matched since. No, I can't think of anyone who's matched that. Since that time, he has developed and customized his, his proven effective selling skills for over 300 industries. He has authored 18 books on the subject of selling and success. Over 2.9 million copies of those books have been read by sales pros the world over. He is also the 2013 recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award from the National Academy of Best-Selling Authors, and he's been acclaimed as the number one sales guru two years in a row by Global Gurus, and he has dedicated his life to helping sales and marketing professionals improve their communication skills and increase sales revenue. An amazing welcome, Tom Hopkins. How are you today? Oh, thank you, Tom. Gee, that 
very nice of you to give me all those accolades, but yes, I'm thrilled to be with you and Jim and have some fun and share some knowledge with the people listening. Amen. Thank you. Now, before we start, I want to acknowledge my amazing friend, Phil Taylor. Phil introduced me to you, uh, Tom, and you were a part of his 17 Biblical Principles of Success uh, audio program. Uh, Jim Shorky and I interviewed uh, Phil, and that is an amazing program. I'm on vacation this week, and I'm listening to it throughout the week. And uh, so the website for that is 17biblicalprinciplesofsuccess.org, an amazing audio program, and you won't believe how low the price is for such amazing content. So check it out. Uh, Jim, let me give you the honor of asking Tom the first question. Tom, you know, obviously it's very well known, your, your success. I was really, really curious about your starting point, you know, your day one of where you were, obviously where you ended up, ended up is phenomenal, but where did you start out at? Can you, can you, well, you know? Sure. Uh, you know, Jim, I really believe my story is, is much like many people in the world today. I uh, didn't start off, of course, even thinking I could ever be a success. Uh, my father was a really wonderful man. And I came from a very average working family. Um, we didn't have any entrepreneurs, to, per se, in our life, as far as relatives or friends. And my dad, you know, was, was he did have some time in sales, but was really more of a, you know, an average nine to five mentality person. So I, of course, uh, after high school, started in college, but I didn't like it, it wasn't me, the academic setting was not what I wanted, and so I only went for three months, and after 90 days of college, I quit, and of course, I came home, and my dad was there, and he said, what are you doing home? I said, Dad, I made a decision today that I'm not going to college. Now, at that point, I'd never seen my father, a pretty strong man, ever ever really cry, but tears filled his eyes, and he said, son, your mother and I sacrificed to help you get into college, and you now make a decision to quit. You are my son. I'll always love you, even though based on this decision, I know you'll never probably amount to anything. Hmm. And, and, and that was really my first motivational talk, <laughs> because when, when someone tells you you can't do something or you will never be anything, you know, it is motivational to prove it. And I, I know people listening right now, there's people that said, you know what, I had someone that I had to prove I could be a success to, and that's what happened to me. And I w- was in my uh, uh, bedroom alone at 17, depressed, and thinking, what am I going to do with my life? And it just so happens that night my uncle came to have dinner with us, and my uncle was the general manager of a big steel company in California where I lived. And he came in and said, Tom, I understand you quit college. What the heck are you going to do with your life? I said, D- Uncle Don, I have no idea. <laughs> and he said, well, you know, I'm working on the bridge decks uh, uh, on the freeway uh, from California up to San Francisco, and we need iron workers. And, of course, I went and got my apprenticeship card and I carried steel, which is uh, anyone listening who is or knows of an iron worker, it is probably the hardest physical labor, Jim, on the planet. 
I mean, you carry steel. I was 17. Luckily, I was in pretty good physical shape, but I carried steel eight hours a day, five days a week for a year. <laughs> and, of course, I always tease my audience. I said, you know, I was 6'2 when I started, and now I'm 5'7. That's how heavy <laughs> those bars were. <laughs> but, uh, so I did that, and, and after a year, my dad came over to my little apartment, and he said, son, I'm proud of your work ethic. Uncle Don says you work very hard, harder than most of the men on the job, but what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to be a steel worker? You'll be an old man by 35. And I said, well, I don't know what to do. And God bless my father. He said, son, you know, you're 18 now, so you can get a real estate license in California. And so I says, oh, Dad, I can't pass an exam. You know I'm not that smart. And so he says, give it a try. Well, sure enough, I failed the darn real estate exam three <laughs> times. And the fourth time I passed. And then, of course, the challenge I had was back in those days, many years ago, there were very few teenagers in the real estate business. It was a middle-aged man's business. And so no broker wanted to hire me. Uh, first, because I was so young, and secondly, I had, didn't have a car. I only had a motorcycle, and to sold, show homes on a motorcycle, this was not <laughs> going to be real good. But luckily, one broker said, okay, show up to Monday morning for our 8 o'clock meeting, and of course, we have a dress code, wear a suit. And right away, that was a challenge, because I didn't have a suit. Uh, the only suit I had, because when I was 16, I, I played in a band. And when the Beatles came to America for the first time, we saw their wild band uniforms. But we had uniforms made. They were bright silver with purple <laughs> velvet collars. And that's the only suit I had. So sure enough, Monday morning, 8 o'clock, I rode my motorcycle to the office and walked into my band uniform. And the broker had 12 people in the meeting and he stopped the meeting he said you all listen up now this is our newest sales associate this is Tom Hopkins he's 18 and if he can make a living in this business on a motorcycle wearing that band uniform <laughs> I expect all of you to get rich and so that's kind of how I started in the real estate business <laughs> and that's why I, I tell my audiences Jim I go hey if I, with the odds going against me, could become successful, my Lord, anyone can if they follow the principles of success. Wow. Uh, cameras were not as available back then, Tom, but do, do you have any pictures of you wearing that amazing suit? You know, I, I certainly do. I, I <laughs> kept the band uniform <laughs> in a closet, and I also have some of the first pictures that they took of me when finally, because after six months, I didn't do well in the first six months, but all of a sudden I went and got some training from some wonderful mentors, and all of a sudden I started making a sale, got a listing, making a sale, and all of a sudden the next year I became the top real estate agent for this coal banker company in, in California. And all of a sudden, I'm getting awards, and the money's starting to come in, and I'm saying, wow, I'm going to be a success someday. And so that's kind of what happened in my last year. As you said, I sold, uh, averaged a home a day for a year, closed sale, which, again, that's when they started asking me to speak. 
because if a kid in his early 20s can sell that many homes, he must know something. And so luckily, the National Association of Realtors said, Tom, come and teach. How do you do that? And so that was how my speaking career really got started. Wow. How old old were you when you first started speaking, Tom? 27. 27. Wow, that's that's an amazing story. No question about it. Right. And it's it's been a a fascinating many years, Jim, I'll tell you. Those five million people have come in and taken my stuff and hopefully made a lot more money and had a better life. And if that's true, then I'm doing what I think God wants me to do in teaching. Yeah, that's wonderful. I love what you said about what God wants you to do. One of the greatest uh, discoveries or things that happened to me is dis- discovering my God-given life purpose. And uh, once you know what God put you here for, you better get to doing it or you're going to feel awfully bad if you slack off and don't do what he intended you to do. So thanks for mentioning that. Now, Tom, I'm a, as you know, a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor and our friend Jim has read Think and Grow Rich 104 times and continuing. So let me ask you, when in your success journey did you come across Think and Grow Rich? And was there someone special who said, Tom, this is one that you must read? Yes, in fact, that's the funny you say that. I, I think I was about 21 years of age, starting to make pretty decent money, and uh, I went to, a, again, a seminar, and the man said, you must build a library in your home, and you'll be known at the end of your life by the people you've met and the books that you've read, and he said, I'm going to give you a reading list, and things will go rich. Uh, was just really almost brand new to the to the marketplace, and of course Napoleon Hill was a very close friend of my my mentor J. Douglas Edwards, and so I got to spend time with uh, uh, Napoleon Hill, and of course I read Think and Go Rich. I, I bet I didn't hit quite 104. But <laughs> I, I sure internalized the basic concepts and. You know, Think and Grow Rich was a book that the principles, if you pick it up once a year, you'll read it, even if you highlight it, as I do with a, with a yellow highlighter every page, so I got the, high, the, the, the pearls of wisdom on each page. But it, even if you do that, you'll read that book, and all of a sudden, there'll be something coming out of that book that you missed, and that'll add another dimension to your growth and your success. And you know, Jim, I like the fact, too, that, you know, Tom's used the word journey numerous times, of course, and his journey program. And, of course, that's the definition I teach my students, that success is the continuous journey towards the achievement of predetermined worthwhile goals. And so I, when I first started studying what you were going to be talking about, I thought, wow, does this fit right in with what my basic philosophy is that you never arrive at the end of a journey of success it's always a constant what's my next goal short term long term what am I going to do this year to improve my performance in my industry my business so so this really fits in my, my whole philosophy of life is the continuous journey towards that achievement of the right. goal Right, and persistent, determined, courageous, 
through ups and downs, and that's what life's journey is uh, is about. Now, you mentioned Jay Douglas Edwards, and I imagine Jim Shorkey knows who that is. Maybe the younger people in the audience aren't exactly sure, but he was a legend, and you got to be mentored by Jay Douglas Edwards? Well, and, and Tom, this, this is amazing. A lot of times people hear what I'm now going to tell you, and they I kind of doubt, they, I'm sure some doubt it, but Mr. Edwards, when he was hired by our company in California, uh, I went and sat, and I after five or ten minutes, I said, this is what I've been missing, the art of questioning, the art of handling objections, the art of closing a sale. And so I became a sponge and absorbed every single word. And, of course, then all of a sudden I started making money, and I set a goal that every six months... I would get on a plane wherever Mr. Edwards was speaking, and I would fly there and, again, absorb and listen. And, of course, this is back before cassettes. This is back when we only had records. And Mr. Edwards had this record, one of the largest selling business records ever, called, you know, the 13 Basic Closes, Closing the Sale, and uh, which I, have, of course, purchased and now put it into our CD programs. But... Um, Mr. Edwards changed my life, and uh, I, I give him credit, and he was one of the main people that, that uh, taught me not just, not just motivation and excitement and enthusiasm, which are necessary qualities of success, but he really taught me this art form of selling and how to say the right words, what to do on the telephone to get an appointment, all these things that make up this thing called selling success. And, uh, but he, he was so instrumental in, in my journey. And here's the thing that people don't believe sometimes. But here, I, after eight years of real estate, I said, okay, I'm now going to give up my real estate career. I'm going to move out of this city and go to another state. And a man gave me a chance to buy a real estate licensing school in, in, in Arizona. So I moved my family, started all over bought a home in Paradise Valley or Scottsdale, Arizona, and here's what's amazing. I'm moving into this home not knowing anyone in the state of Arizona, and all of a sudden I hear a voice behind me, and it says, is Tom Hopkins here? And I turned around, and there standing in my garage was the late, great J. Douglas Edwards. <laughs> and I turned around and I said, Mr. Edwards, what are you doing here? Well, I sent him a little postcard to his P.O. box. I said, Mr. Edwards, I bought a home in Arizona. I'm moving there, and I, you are my mentor, my, my dear trainer. I hope I can have lunch with you someday. And so I said, Mr. Edwards, what are you doing here? He says, well, Tom, I thought I should welcome my new next-door neighbor to the wow. area. Wow. Now, out of, out of four million approximate people in the state of Arizona, I bought a home next to this man, not knowing anywhere where he lived. And that's, again, I think some of the things that happen in life, the doors that you can have opened for your success, when you have the right attitude, the disciplines, your focus on achieving your goals, and things like this can happen. And, of course, he almost like adopted me as, as a son, and I spent almost two or three days a month minimum at his feet, learning not only the art of selling, but the art of speaking and teaching and putting on seminars and writing books and so forth. So that's, that's how God works when wow. your attitude is right.
Right, and when your subconscious uh, mind is programmed and your attitude is right, God uh, sends these amazing, uh, what some people would call luck, things into our life. Uh, We know that they're way more than luck. They're blessings from above. Uh, Wow, what an amazing story. Uh, Jim, uh, I know when I asked you to jump in as a co-host here, you were pretty excited you have followed tom for a long time so why don't you talk about uh, your experience reading listening to tom and uh, what you've taught uh, maybe what you taught your salespeople at the dealerships uh, uh, some of the techniques that tom talks about and strategies well first of all tom I, I would what i would really love to have is that list of those books um, do, do you still have that list oh do yeah I, I can put that Sure. In fact, before we, you know, during the at the end of the program, maybe I'll give you. You can send me a little notice at my office. I'm not in in town. I'm out of town now, but you can send yeah. it, and I'll have Judy, my assistant, put together the list, and we'll shoot it right out to you. So we'll make sure well, we I, take I care would, of that. I would love to have that list. I really would. I, I you know, I, I'm a big, big believer in this idea that success always leaves clues, and so. You know, that's what you did. You found somebody that was mega successful, and you just copied him, and you did what he told you to do. And, and so if somebody says to me, hey, here's a book that you need to read, uh, like a, a Thinking Grow Rich or a Success or a Pause Mental Attitude or a, or a Tom Hopkins book, whatever that book would be, it's like, well, I'm reading that book. This guy's a multimillionaire. He's a successful this or that. I, I want to read that book, that specific book. So I'd love to have that list. I really would. Um, no, that'll be, a, be, that'll be a, an action item. I'm making a note right now. I would love to have that list. I'm sure Tom would like to have it as well. Right. You uh, bet. I'll get it to both of you in the next week. That's that's worth a million bucks or more, <laughs> ten million bucks. Yeah, that's worth a lot. So that being said, um, so so you know, I, I yeah, I listen to again cassette tapes as as Tom said earlier. You know, and I can rec- I can actually see it. it was actually a thicker was a thicker cassette tape file. Um, than normal. It was uh, probably about an inch and a half thick, and I, I was actually, I got sidetracked. I wanted to go see if I could find that because I, remember, I remember, remember it had a picture view on it, and and uh, and it was very involved. And so, but this is years ago. This is probably <clears throat> a good twenty years ago, and so I can't really. Tom's kind of. I can't really recall the exact specifics, but I can tell you that in our business, it, it is a sales business. We're always selling. You know, the, we we believe that somebody is always selling somebody something, whether whether we're buying the customer's story or they're buying our story, somebody's always telling somebody something. And so we took all these techniques over the years and we, we brought this into a process that we believe in, in our company, where, you know, we had a specific, specific way we wanted the customer to be greeted, a specific way we wanted them to be qualified, a specific way we wanted them to be, you know, uh, uh, demonstrated and, and service walk and this whole process that we, that we built and and we built it through guys like Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy and and uh, 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 Mandino and all these different people and and, and the Paul Hill of course you know we just built this system and so when I look at our system today it's kind of a it's an amalgamation of who knows what but it is a system nevertheless that we really believe in and so I guess the question I like to ask is is um, you know from a selling perspective you know what are what are a couple of like a top two or three things that you you think are most important for, for me to be a successful salesperson going forward? What, what advice would you give me as a, what, All right. what's the first I, thing I, that I, you work on? 
I love that question. And, and let me start off by saying this has been a mission that I've been on all of my life, is to try to convince people that we all are, in a way, in the field of sales. I think if you, I think if a parent has their children grow up to be good, honest, morally right adults, the parents, through example, through asking a lot of good questions, led these kids to become good adults. So that's, a, in a way, a selling process. I think in a husband and wife relationship in the world we're living in today, to stay happily married for your entire life and, and die together or die after your marriage, my gosh, you've been selling each other. Uh, not in a pushy, obnoxious, aggressive way, but through many of the principles. And if, if I were in an elevator with you, and I had 10 floors to go up to the room, and you said, Tom, what's the main thing I need to work on to be successful? If I had only 10 floors, I would say, work harder on yourself than you do on your job to become a person that people like and trust and want to listen to. Because if you make that happen, where they like you, they trust you, then they want to listen to your presentation, hear what you have to say, then you're really doing the job. And so that would be the number one thing, work on yourself to be a person people like and trust and want to listen to. And, and that would be the first and, and most important thing I would, I would suggest. I think that's great, and I think uh, you're. I think that you're spot on. That's the whole idea behind self development. That's what Tom Cunningham preaches. That's what Tom Hopkins preaches. That's what everybody preaches. And I think you're 100% right. That's uh, the ultimate in control is you know working working on yourself, improving yourself. Is uh, things get better when you get better. You know, I'm not sure who said that. Probably a million people said it, but things get better. <laughs> I'm going to start saying it now, buddy. Thanks. You're right. You're right. <laughs> Nobody's claimed it yet. <laughs> we preached that for a million years in the automobile business. And, you know, when I first started off, I was, uh, you know, bankruptcy imminent, selling 800 new and used cars per year, which was a pretty stout number. You know, the, the company was 800 new, new and used cars per year and 40 employees. And through the principles that we're discussing today, went to, uh, Seven dealerships, 400 employees, and 8,000 new and used cars per year. So these are That's some incredible fabulous. numbers, and it's a result of uh, what you just said. You know, um, you know, working harder on me than on the guy next to me. I I needed to improve, and and a lot of times when I improved, he improved too because I was leading him. You know, so right. it's pretty cool. Nice. Now, uh, Tom, you uh, teach uh, that there are four principal aspects to success in life so i want to know what those four are please all right well let me give you a little synopsis first of all because of what i teach it begins with what most people want to know most about and that's financial independence how do you get out of debt and make enough money to where you're able to live off the interest that your money makes without having to touch principle. And this is one of my ideals as far as getting goal setting started. You really need to take, and here's the sad truth, uh, Tom, the average American person, human being, if you will, spends more time planning the details of their two-week vacation than they plan the details of their long-term success. So people need to really sit down. They need to, if they're married as a couple, 
they need to say, we got to figure out what year do we want to not have to do anything to make money because we've made enough to live off the money our money makes. And they need to really put that in writing, and that's got to be the first thing towards their goal setting, which is financial independence. And uh, so that's the, and of course, based on what I primarily teach, that's what people come to my seminar for, is to build financial uh, independence. So that's the first, what I would call, of the four principles. The second uh, principle is emotional stability. Mm. Emotional stability, meaning we are going to be going through crisis in our life. We are going to have challenging times. There's no clear, fabulous life that doesn't go through some slumps. So I think that being emotionally stable is so critical as the second principle to where you cope with crisis, you learn how to handle failure and rejection, you don't take it personally. When you do fail, you get up and it's not how long you're down, it's how soon you get up and start moving again towards your next uh, achievable goal. And so the emotional stability, and of course I, I teach an hour and a half in my seminar on just handling failure, how to turn it into a positive rather than a negative. And people need these type of principles to turn rejection and failure into a motivational positive so that they keep going and going and never quit. Because I totally believe, Jim and Tom, that in life you've never failed until you quit. Now, you may have a down mm. period, you may have a crisis or a challenge, but until you actually quit, you haven't failed. And there's too many people, I think, in our world today that have just kind of given up based on the whole thing, the economy, the political mess, all this stuff. They've kind of said, oh, what the heck? But you just can't ever quit. You never quit. And then, of course, the third principle is physical fitness. Mm. I think that I think that uh, your 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 body is a very important thing to keep physically fit. I mean, to have a long, healthy, strong life, it's necessary that you have good exercise, um, mo- moderation in all of your eating habits. I think it's important that you, uh, like I, I do six days uh, a week, one hour every morning in a gym to where I work out, and I've done this for all my life because I believe you've got to look good if you're going to be a success. You have to maintain your balance of weight. I think you also need to have energy. Uh, standing on the stage six to eight hours doing a seminar it consumes a tremendous amount of energy, and of course, people aren't going to want to sit and listen to someone who's up there saying, "Man, I'm really tired of being here." You got to be excited, <laughs> always excited, always pumped. And then, of course, the fourth principle uh, is spiritual fulfillment, which I think is a very important part of the overall total fulfillment of a human being's life. That they understand the importance of having a relationship with God, and and being willing to not only confess that but to make that a darn foundational principle on this uh, journey towards success. I love it. I love it. I love all four. And physical fitness so important. Not everybody talks about that. But uh, even I, I've had uh, I have rheumatoid arthritis from my jaw to my toes. I've had four hips, four knees, and two shoulders replaced. And most other joints don't move. And, and yet I work out... I work out four or five, three, four or five days a week, treadmill, pool, 
and uh, wait. Um, and I have a built-in excuse. I'm always sore, so I have an excuse always. But I, I do it. I want to, as you say, look good, feel good, live a long time. And, uh, you know, if I'm telling someone to be the best they can be and I ignore a major aspect like health and fitness, uh, I'm not really demonstrating that in return. So I do it for myself and, and as an encouragement to other people that they can do it as well. And then the emotional part, emotional intelligence is a higher indicator of success than uh, IQ. It's so important that we maintain that emotional stability. And a lot of that starts with managing the 60,000 thoughts we have a day. And so those are all amazing points. And then, yes, in the end, like if uh, a relationship with uh, God, like four out of ten people in the world live on less than $2 a day. And we've been blessed to live in North America we're no nicer than the people that live on two dollars a day so uh, we should be eternally grateful and thankful that we get to live in our amazing countries canada and the u.s Uh, so i love love those uh four points amazing uh now uh do you have any uh uh, comments on those jim i think they're phenomenal i uh yeah i mean um a, a big a big focus of mine is uh physical fitness uh, and, and that involves um, of course uh, exercise it involves the right diet it involves uh, positive affirmations and positive thinking and uh, my goal is uh, I found out that my goal my goal for years has been to live to be a hundred years old and a very healthy 100 years old and I profess that for years and years and years and okay so now how do I go about doing that well in part of my health journey of reading and studying and studying and reading and etc I discovered a lady uh, in, I think, France, uh, America, I'm sure France, who has lived to uh, be 122 years old. She's the oldest confirmed living person on the planet. And so, new goal, 122. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and my philosophy behind that, Tom, is, is, well, okay, if Tom Hopkins can do that, Jim Shorty can do that. And based on the story that you just told, that's what you're really saying. Man, hey, here's where I started off. I started off with some goofy suit that really, if I, you should wear that suit on one of your, your, uh, your talks. <laughs> I really get a well, kick I, out do, of it. I do show I a picture of it. <laughs> yeah, you should wear it though, man. Come on. I can't quite fit into it. When I was 19, I was even a little thinner than I am today. <laughs> hey, oh my gosh. Seriously, seriously this would be a great idea. Have somebody make you that suit and <laughs> And I'm telling you, it would probably be the greatest thing to come out like maybe at halftime and say with that suit with that suit on. That would be probably really really cool. You know what? I'm gonna I'm that. gonna make a note of that, Jim, because you I think always change, you can always free change, but it would probably really get him going, man. I'll bet you yeah, that would I, I like the that. <laughs> right. I'm making a note right now, buddy boy. I'll bet it would. Right. I'll I bet think it would. people would be like, oh my god, they would like, what is this? This is where Tom Hopkins started out. Anybody can do it. I love uh, what you, what you, you know, my, my, my five uh, uh, pillars, and actually it's four pillars. It's health, wealth, love, and happiness are my four pillars. I view those as being four legs on a chair. Health, wealth, love, and happiness. Love is family, friends, and romance. Happiness is doing something that brings you great fulfillment. Health and wealth are obvious. So those are the four legs on my chair. And what holds the chair together and what I sit on is my spirit. Spirit is the glue that holds that whole, those four things together. So if you have, you know, one of those legs missing, you have, you're, 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 you have a bad life. If you have 
you know, all those four pillars, or those legs, excuse me, with no spirit, then you have a bad life. So you need all five, and the spirit glues the four together. But, you know, if, you, if you're a very, very wealthy person, and, and you're very unhealthy at the same time, you have a terrible life. And I'm not speaking to Tom's situation. Tom has a very unique situation. He, he should be proud of the peacock, the way he handles his situation. But he's not going out and intentionally harming himself with, you know, crap food or crap thinking or crap um, right. exercise, or lack of exercise, I should say. To your point, Tom, you said most people plan, you know, spend more time planning their two-week vacation than they do planning their financial future. Well, how about planning their health future? I think that's a, a, a huge, even way bigger uh, dilemma, uh, disaster, catastrophe in the United States of America as well as Canada. When you just look at people, it's like, man, what are you thinking, dude? You're, you're, you're on the wrong path, man. You need to drop 100 pounds. It's just killing you. And they're not doing it. So, boy, I, you know, I'm not sure what's more important, the financial aspect of things or the uh, health aspect of things in our world today, you know? All right. Right, exactly. Uh, I think uh, the, 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 to, your, to answer a uh, long answer to a short question, Tom, the four, the four points that Tom Hopkins has just brought up are phenomenal. And, you know, if we do those four points, we will be A-OK. <laughs> in every area. Now, uh, Tom, here's something. Uh, you've read Napoleon Hill enough times to know that he talked about the best mastermind is between a husband and a wife. And he specifically mentioned Henry Ford and Thomas Edison quite a lot when he wrote about that. And uh, you mentioned it earlier in the show about seeking after a, a good marriage. And I imagine for someone who's famous, so famous to the public and travels so much, uh, you have to have, uh, have had an amazing mastermind partnership uh, with your wife because the career you've had with being away and, and being so prominent uh, uh, can be challenging, I imagine, on a marriage. Yeah, so definitely true. Um, of course, I, I was sad that I did lose my first wife. She passed away. But, mm. no, I've been very blessed to, to have a woman that is not only independent in her own way and owning her own company for many, many years, but has also seen that her husband, you know, gets on a plane almost every week, flies somewhere <laughs> in the world, and is trying his best to give people the, the insight, the the, neat, the necessary tools to have a better life. And uh, so she's been so supportive of that. And, of course, when I do leave the country, normally she does come with me uh, because it's just not right to go for a week or two to Ireland or to... <laughs> I just flew back from China, and uh, that no, was a no. wonderful wonderful seminar uh, experience and I'm having another big program in Shanghai in two weeks so yeah it's, it's been a, a wonderful situation and of course again it's something you have to work on I think working on your health is important and part of that I think is working on a happy relationship by doing the thing properly with your wife or husband, and and you know, many times people get married and they don't have take as good a care of that person as they do friends or relatives. So it's something you have to work on. It's a job, but it's a wonderful job, and it's a blessing right. when you can line your life with a life partner that has similar goals, similar uh, ambitions, similar desires, and so forth. Right, and uh, it, it that way you can be pursuing your God-given pers purpose without mm, worrying so much about what 
what's left, you know, at home or how your relationship is, and, and that's way it, the way it should be. So what a blessing to find two women like that, and, and uh, sorry to hear about your first wife, but she's uh, uh, dancing on the streets of heaven, and I'm sure she won't want to come back. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, she, she definitely is. She loves the Lord, and I'm sure she's with him. Amen, amen. Now, we spoke earlier about being on Phil Taylor's 17 Biblical Principles of Success audio program, and one of those principles, the one that you spoke on, was humility. And uh, I imagine that for someone who's as well-known around the world as you and as uh, accomplished and successful, uh, humility doesn't always uh, pop up uh, as a word to describe successful people, but it's so important. Um, I guess more than one pastor, but my pastor always talks about we're all even at the foot of the cross. We're all the same. Nobody's bigger, better, or any more important. Well, and you know what, Tom? When I was young, maybe 12 or 13, I was the shortest person of stature, as I am, and I was kind of a little cocky. I had a pretty strong ego, even at that age. And I was a little cocky, and my dad one day called me in, and he, he said, Son, I want you to know something, that most people do not like someone who lacks humility. And being a humble person, people want to gravitate to you and be with you. And that just stuck like crazy, and I've tried my best to, to number one, you know, not, not let my wonderful success, which God has let me have, affect me to where I try never to look down on anyone. I try my best to be an uplifter of others, regardless of their situation. And so, again, when I did this, uh, uh, my part of this program, the 17 Biblical uh, uh, Fundamentals of Success and so forth, when I did it, I thought, you know what, the humble spirit has to be taught. Uh, and again, I've, I've tried to make that just a real strong foundation of my life to treat either, either uh, other people the way you'd like to be treated, of course, the old golden rule, rule which will always be fundamentally sound, and of course, always try to be a humble spirit and thankful for what I have, but not tr ever look down on anyone else. Right, and uh, that's not always... Uh easy to do that comes with prayer and practice and uh we can <laughs> learn something from everyone when i with the books i publish journeys to success and the interviews i've done uh boy there is something to learn from everyone even if they're in the midst of uh, adversity challenges um god created us all and he doesn't create people just because he has to he creates them for a purpose and so such an important principle and i'll remind people again the website for that is 17 biblical principles of success.org uh, the price is incredibly low <laughs> i almost gave phil heck about that but uh works for you so go to the website take a look at that 17 biblical principles of success.org amazing program thanks to phil taylor for putting that together now uh tom you mentioned you were in china were you with jim cathcart because i interviewed him on monday no i know i know jim was there he and i are old dear dear friends all right years but he, he and i were not there in the same at the same time um i was with a big success program with uh, uh the, the get motivated 
people that are called success resources in Europe, and they are the ones that bring in all the speakers and Colin Powell's and Schwarzkopf wow. and myself. And so it, it was, you know, it, it's a great experience. We had about uh, 15,000 folks attend, so it was wow. a really wonderful event. And, of course, other countries, they want to learn what we do here in America. They want to learn our right. success concepts. And, of course, the people in China are very hard-working, committed, focused people with tremendous disciplines. And they're probably the best audience. And, of course, I'm fortunate when I go to another country to get a wonderful interpreter for the people that don't speak English. And I have the same interpreter for 10 years, and he knows my material as well as I do. <laughs> so the audience is getting a real good shot, even though it's coming out of my mouth with no understanding on their part, but he, he's right there next to me and shoots it to him. Right, and as you said, amazing how other countries are longing to hear this, like, and we take it for granted in North America. I spoke in Cambodia, and, and someone from there told me uh, during the event or after that this is the first time those people have ever heard of, like, Think and Grow Rich and goals and uh, purpose and all the different things in the personal development industry and it's like oh my god like imagine being your these are university students and they never heard of this and so uh, we take it for advantage take it granted take it for granted in North America but a lot of countries don't even have this material available to them so when they hear it like their eyes are huge like oh my god why didn't anybody ever tell us this and so amazing. And I, of course, being in China and not seeing Jim, I guess with a billion people, they can have more than one event, no problem. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's enough room for both of you in town at the same time. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, Tom, thank you so much for your time today. I was actually a little nervous because, like, as I said, I've followed you since... Uh, uh, between 20 and 25 years old so that's 25 to 30 years ago and uh, boy I've read most of your books I think I saw you have a new one do you yes I just finished my 18th which is when buyers say no and it's a, an entire 275 pages on the two letters the word no which is really when you start selling is when someone says no. So we tried to make it a fun book. Me, my co-author uh, uh, Ken Bot caught uh, helped me make it, and it's a fun book. And I hope the folks listening today might want to add that to their library. And if they went to my website; they can see all of our stuff, of course, HomHopkins.com. Right, and uh, Jim, do people, do buyers ever say no in the car business? <laughs> you know, sure, absolutely, and, 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 and Tom's right, you know, we, we believe uh, our goal is to have them say no seven times, and uh, the interesting <laughs> thing is, uh, I, I dr actually dr grammatically draw this where the first no is, a, I mean, I, I, right on the board, is a big no with an exclamation point, the second no is a smaller no with a smaller exclamation point, the third no is just a no, and then the fourth no is a maybe, and once you get to maybe, you're on your way, so... Can we turn every no into a yes? Of course not. But if we keep asking, we will turn a higher percentage. But most people don't even ask it once, let alone you know two or three times. So our goal is seven. We feel that that's what it takes to get 
to where we're, okay, I get it. You're not going to buy today. We've got to ask him more than once, certainly, and that's what we train on. But I, I, always, like, I always felt that it was important as a salesman is to get that first no out of the way. And, uh, because now I got that out of the way, the second no is an easier no than the first no. I don't know if that makes sense to to your way I like of thinking, it. Tom, I think that's I like it, Jim. That's excellent. I'm gonna take that and use it as well. All right. And yeah, if only cool. if only the buyers knew how persistent someone was, they would just get rid of those notes quickly, make their life a lot easier. <laughs> yes. Yep. But uh, that's part of the little you know, sometimes they sometimes they need to say no just because they they're not comfortable with saying yes. And so they need to say no. And so that's what you have to sort of understand that it's it's a psychological thing. It's not a they're not saying no to say no. They're saying no because they're not comfortable saying yes. And so the no really means more than anything. Is, hey, give me more information. Tell me why. Tell me more stuff. And exactly. so hopefully we're prepared Boy, as salesmen right to say, well, here here's here's the here's the reason why you should say yes. And then they say, well, I'm not so sure. And you say, well, here's another reason why you should say yes. Well, okay, I'm getting a little bit more short. Well, here's another reason why. You, okay, I'll say yes. You know, so they're just sure. not comfortable saying yes. Right. And uh, in the car industry, a lot of times a husband and wife come in together, so one will be saying no more to impress the husband or wife then because it's a yes or no to the salesperson. They're like, okay, when we go in there, we're just going to say no a lot. We're not going to buy right away. So it could be just a show between the two of them and not actually how they actually are thinking or feeling. And just remember, as a salesperson, they're not saying no to you. They're saying no to your offering. And uh, so we got to take the emotion out of it. Sometimes we get, you know, I, I call it like uh, so many people are defeated by defeat. And once you get defeated by defeat, you're joining the masses. And if you're not defeated by defeat, you have no competition because everybody else gets defeated by defeat. If you don't, that's like recessions are great opportunities to make money because everybody gives in and gives up. You know, we went out and we attacked the market. We had record profits during the most recent recession, which was a disaster for the automobile business. A disaster. Yes, yes. I actually got a I got a free car dealership during the recession. Free. Didn't pay one dime for it. Free. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's the truth. I'll tell you that story sometime. That's a great story, but that's what happened during the Great Recession and nobody was doing business and everything was terrible. Well guess what? People were doing business. They really were, and we were one of them. Amen. Wow. Th- Thank you so much for your time today, uh, Tom. I'm uh, looking forward to reading that new book of yours. And, uh, boy, I do hope you come to Toronto sometime again soon because i love to see you again. All right, my friend Tom. And, Jim, and I'll get that list off to you guys. So uh, I would, all I would the love best. that. I really would. Thanks so much, Tom. I'll, I'll take care of it. Take well, it's care, an honor. It's, an honor. It's, it's truly is an honor speaking to you, and I mean that. It's an honor. So thank you so much for the privilege. Take well, care, thank guys. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Tom. All the best. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtootall.com for details.